brought to you by the JPR Group of Baird Private Wealth Management. We're dedicated to bringing our clients, colleagues, and centers of influence the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and information to keep you informed and confident. Also, listen in on conversations with industry leaders and interesting people from around the country that are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the JPR Podcast. Hey, this is Sean Perry with the JPR Group, and today we have Mark Nickel with us. Mark is uh, President and Chief Investment Officer of Hilliard Lines Trust Company. Mark has been with Hilliard Lines for some time, and now Hilliard Lines is a part of Baird. So I'm going to talk to Mark uh, a little bit today about the market uh, conditions, but also get a little insight from Mark on what it's like to run the trust company in um, these conditions that we're in. So. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Sean, glad uh, to be here. Thanks. Yeah, so as I mentioned, you are president of the trust company. So tell us a little bit about how many employees that is and then what that transition's been like running such a hands-on department and company uh, from now what looks like to be your home office. That's right. So uh, as we record this, I'm in my basement. And uh, not that anybody's counting, but this happens to be day 20 of me working from home. Uh, and along with, we have about 70 professionals within the trust company and 65 of them really are working from home. There are a few uh, positions that have uh, uh, responsibilities that deal with things like snail mail uh, and, and certain like check printing, some of the old, old fashioned type stuff that just require we, we need to have people in the office. But for safety reasons, for health reasons, we have 65 people uh, working from home. And that includes folks uh, like our portfolio managers and one of our traders who are uh, overseeing our $12 billion of assets very successfully uh, from their uh, newly discovered uh, home office. Uh, so it has been a, uh, a very interesting, very trying time, but but also in some ways a very successful time because we've we've realized we had no script, uh, we've made it up as we as we've gone, uh, but we've done it well, and, and our clients are are not noticing any uh, difference in the level of service, and and we are really uh, proud of that. That's great. That's good to hear, especially since a lot of our clients are represented in that uh, pool you're discussing there. Um, how would you describe your journey to um, becoming now the president? I think a lot of people out there might be interested in, you know, yeah. what what sort of background do you have to end up being um, the president over a lot, such a large trust company? Yeah, so um, b back uh, coming out of college, I, I got into the financial services business, retail banking, uh, realized though I, retail banking wasn't my thing. And I started to look around and I, I found a, an advisor uh, who was working in a bank uh, that I, I respected and uh, began to learn uh, a bit of the, the investment trade. I uh, got my licenses and, and began to work alongside him. It wasn't long though thereafter that I um, heard about this thing called financial planning. And, and it really made a lot of sense to me that not just stocks and bonds, but looking at uh, an entire relationship of a client and dealing with not just with their 401k or their IRA, but looking at life insurance, looking at disability insurance, looking at just the whole picture. 
Uh, and that took me down a financial planning route. I got my CFP in the early 2000s. Uh, and it was right around that time that I joined Hilliard Lions, now part of Baird, as a, a financial planner. Uh, and that was around 2002. Uh, that then uh, kind of um, really got me interested in dealing with um, the various issues that come with uh, having uh, some investable assets and some wealth. Uh, and, and I, though, always have been interested in money management. Uh, the um, life provided an opportunity for my wife and I to move to Dublin, Ireland in 2003. Um, we didn't have kids, and it was the chance to try something new. Uh, and we knew it would be a temporary thing. I did leave Hilliard, uh, didn't burn any bridges, came back in 2006 when that period was over, and I uh, joined uh, the trust company as a portfolio manager. Um, I'd had some experience there uh, uh, in Ireland and, and built on that when I came back to Hilliard. Uh, and then not long after, uh, that was 2006, from 2007 to 2009, you know we had this little thing called the Great Financial Crisis. I learned more in that two-year period than I learned in any of my schooling, in any of my credentials. Uh, and I really got to know what it took to, to work with clients, uh, handle their, their money, handle their money in a trust environment, uh, and then really talk directly to them and in ways that they could understand uh, to try and piece together, well, what's going on in the world and what does this mean to your investments? Um, uh, so that really got me into to trust. And then, Sean, you know, you maybe you're good at something and they ask you to do something else and they ask you to do something else. Uh, so I just began to uh, sort of grow my responsibilities. Uh, in 2017, Hilliard asked me to be the chief investment officer for the entire firm, which also kept me with the uh, uh, trust company responsibilities. And then when Baird acquired Hilliard, uh, they um, made me the, the president of Hilliard Lines Trust, which I'm uh, very honored to be in this in this position. And right when I'm starting a new job, uh, we were we have another crisis. Uh, so um, I don't know what it is about starting jobs, uh, but uh, it is in these times where our feet are put to the fire. We learn a lot, uh, and and, um, and it's really actually an honor to to be a part of a situation where we need to um, make wise decisions on our clients' behalf. Yeah, it is. Um, it is interesting times, but being able to lead a group of people, also leading clients, is uh, such an honor. Um, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons we had you on today is just you know your um, keep abreast of market conditions and the market's changed so much in the last month. It's even changed since uh, March thirty first statements were printed. Um, so just give us a little bit on current market conditions on the heels of the stimulus second stimulus package we saw at the end of last week. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, so just to, to put a context in things, markets peaked uh, February 19th uh, on the S&P 500. Uh, then we had the quickest, fastest bear market on record where markets, uh, where markets fell um, uh, to the, the current low on March 23rd. Uh, that was about a 35% fall from the February highs. Uh, and, and so really now uh, where we sit today, we're up roughly 20 plus percent from those March 
lows. Uh, April has been uh, continuing to be a, a good month. Uh, so Sean, you alluded to stimulus. Uh, so one of the things that is certainly driving uh, markets and giving some optimism to markets is uh, the Federal Reserve has begun to uh, grow their balance sheet again. It's now up over $6 trillion. They've also instituted various programs of which Friday there was $2.3 billion of, of support stimulus that was announced uh, where the Fed is coming in and buying uh, different types of fixed in income securities, which is providing liquidity uh, and providing some calm in the fixed income side of the market. Equities have liked that, and that's one of the reasons why equities uh, have, uh, have risen. Also, equities like to look out six to nine months. Uh, there has been some promising news in regards to uh, maybe we've hit peak uh, as far as number of new cases in hot spots like New York City. Uh, and so maybe uh, we are bending the curve of COVID-19. Uh, and, and maybe we will not be working from home for the rest of our lives. I certainly don't think that's the case. And so markets are pricing in that optimism. Now, I will say this, uh, earnings are just uh, beginning this week, actually today. So companies are reporting on uh, first quarter earnings and, and those will be down, uh, but they're gonna be nothing like what will be in, in the second quarter. And what a lot of the market is looking for is guidance. What, what kind of guidance can companies give for the second quarter and the third quarter? Uh, and clearly that is a hard, hard task uh, and the market's looking for, for clues. Uh, but it is nice to not have 8% down days and 9% up days and 10% down days. Uh, there was a lot of whiplash there uh, in, in March. What do you think the main message, you know, if if you put yourself back into that retail client environment, what's the main message you'd be giving to clients over the last month as it relates to you know, this market volatility we're seeing? Yep, if you had a, an investment plan, if you had a financial plan going into the crisis, uh, stick with that plan, stick with that asset allocation. Uh, to try and time the market uh, is, uh, is really impossible. Uh, we, I, I've done this now, I've uh, been in the, the industry over 20 years, and it's just as much as I want to think that I can time the market, I can't. And I don't know any other uh, great investors uh, who can. So it's really stick to your plan. Uh, don't make any rash decisions. Um, make sure if maybe you do have a cash need, maybe you do have something uh, down the road that you need to plan for, we'll get a plan in place. Uh, but don't let emotion override your asset allocation. We had clients, I had clients that got out uh, three weeks ago. Uh, they're still sitting significantly in cash and markets are a lot higher than where they were three weeks ago. Uh, had they held tight to their plan, uh, they would have, yes, written it down maybe a little bit farther, but they'd be up a lot higher uh, today than they, than they are. So stick to your plan. That's why you work with uh, teams like JPR to um, really have a great um, uh, perspective and you have a great plan going into uh, the inevitable uh, bear market that will happen. Cycles happen. They're not done away with. We'll have more in the future, uh, but work with great advisors and, and you, will, you will benefit.
Thanks for that. That's great advice. Uh, a couple of fun things here at the end. Um, maybe people could get to know you a little bit better. What sort of music plays in the background at Mark's in Mark's office? So I, told I, I will you say, I will say that Michael Antonelli plays. He has yacht rock, whatever that is, <laughs> playing in the background. So that answer's no, been I, stolen. Uh, so I did mention that I spent uh, almost four years in Ireland. Um, I am. I was a big uh, U2 fan uh, going into that experience. I had the the fortune of seeing them live um, in in Dublin. Uh, and so, if you are around the Nickel household, or if you are uh, in you know in my office listening to music, it's likely uh, you will hear some uh, U2 uh, being played. So um, they're they've been around a while. Uh, I still. Uh, it brings back good memories and it uh, it's good for my soul. That's great. Uh, what about a favorite book and or podcast? Yeah. So, um, well, favorite book. That's a, um, the one that's been most impactful for me is the Bible. Um, one that has been uh, very uh, instrumental, not instrumental, but thought provoking uh, right now is a book I just finished called the, the Storm Before the Calm, it's by a guy by the name of George Friedman, who is a geopolitical uh, strategist. And, and really, he wrote this right before the crisis, but he was basically saying we are going to enter into a period uh, where it's likely that we will have some political turmoil, uh, we'll have some, some societal turmoil. turmoil. Uh, and, and he had no idea that the coronavirus was going to happen, but it uh, really makes it a, an interesting point that our country has gone through various cycles and we're, we're at the cusp of another cycle. So uh, for those of you who like history and who maybe like to think about the future, uh, the storm before the calm is, uh, is one uh, that I would uh, recommend. And then as far as podcasts, one that I'm, I'm just currently listening to right now, it's a guy by the name of Dan Carlin, Hardcore History. Uh, he goes deep dive into uh, various uh, historical events going back uh, to you know the uh, before Christ and um, and what I like about it and, and it's like this now I mean we uh, if you don't learn from history you know you you probably um, you know shame on you there are things that we can we can learn uh, Mark Twain said uh, history uh, may not repeat itself but it does certainly rhyme uh, and so I, I uh, take a lot out of that hardcore history podcast. But I warn you, uh, like one podcast could be four hours long. Yeah, I tried to tackle the World War One one, and I think it may have been like sixteen or seventeen hours long. It was. I I, it, I uh, went through that one, and it was very long. It was a commitment, but uh, to think about the sacrifice that those soldiers made and how brutal that war was, um, I had never. I'd always glossed over it. It wasn't until I listened to his podcast that I truly realized how brutal uh, World War One was. Last question. Um, I know we're all in this work from home, uh, WFH environment. What, what do you think Mark Nichols learned the most from working at home? Oh, uh, just uh, how important it is to, well, I would say this, don't take for granted the day-to-day -day running into somebody in the office, the, uh, the collaboration, the camaraderie, 
I, I really truly miss that. Like we are, we are running our business very successfully and we're having, I've, I've been on calls all day. I'm communicating constantly, uh, but there is something about uh, the human species. I think that likes personal interaction and, and don't take that for granted. I, I will be very interested once we get back to whatever normal looks like, what those feelings will be like um, and, and how much, we will, I maybe will have, you know, realize I really truly did miss that. And you're, and you're, you're talking or you're hearing somebody who would be a, a self-identified introvert. Um, and, and, and even the introverted of us, uh, uh, like myself is feeling this way. What about the extroverts? Uh, and how are they going to be uh, right now and, uh, and going forward? So Zoom calls and WebExes are great but there's still something about being in the room with somebody that, um, that I don't want to take for granted. Yeah, that's great. My wife and I were talking last night about how she's an extrovert and I'm an introvert and we're pretty sure through all this, we've somehow changed roles. So <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling for uh, lack of community and she's enjoying her peaceful time at home. So that's interesting. Mark, yeah. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been very insightful and I appreciate you. Um, giving us your insight and also playing along a little bit there at the end. So thanks to Mark for joining and thanks to everyone for listening to another episode of the JPR podcast. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable sources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest, and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. 